your host, Carmilla, and this is Cat Scratch Radio, a horror podcast. Welcome to Cat Scratch Radio, a horror podcast. I'm Carmilla, but my writer name is Matu C. Lawrence. I write horror and dark fantasy, often with a hint of romance, and I've been a horror enthusiast since I was seven years old watching it on a small black and white TV in my grandmother's guest room. Nearly 30 years later, and I'm here to spread my love of horror to others. Today I have Jason Myers on the show, author of a short story collection and former EMT and firefighter, and today we're going to be discussing one of the most relevant horror topics I can think of, and that's gore. Before we oh, start... Gross. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start, Jason, tell me, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, everybody always asks me what my favorite scary movie is. Um, this year, I'm going to go with the whole Scream series, because I just rewatched them over and over in October. But like last year, it was Trick or Treat. I think the year before was Halloween Ends or Halloween Kills or Halloween number 900 or whatever we're on now. <laughs> <laughs> They call it Halloween Ends, but Saw had a final chapter, and now Saw X is out, so I don't believe franchises anymore. No, no. They're never ending. So, my one of my favorite movies is Trick or Treat, so I love that you brought that up, but there's nothing better to me than lesbian werewolves just eating men. I think that's hilarious. Of course. Uh, one of my favorite parts of it, but uh, I'm obsessed with Sam. Obsessed. He's adorable, isn't he? He's so cute. I have, I, have a, I have a stuffy of him at home. I've got a little Sam statue that goes with me to every table event. He's my road warrior. And he's I, always in every picture, you'll see him just hanging out on my table. I love that. That's awesome. You'll have to have people uh, pat his head like rubbing a Buddha belly. Exactly. Alright, so what can you tell us it was like being an EMT and a firefighter? Um, you want to talk gore? We saw gore. Oh, we saw the real gore, not the uh, made-for-TV stuff. This is uh, a little deeper. Uh, the color's the same, don't get me wrong, but the way it comes out of the body, the way the body reacts to, say, a knife stabbing or a gunshot or car accident or impalement, they don't quite catch it in Hollywood the way it is in real life. That is fair. Uh, what was the worst call you ever had in the field? Um, the worst one that I've had, um, I actually wrote a story about it in my new collection. It's called Just So You Know, I Hate Your Laugh. And it was based off of this kid who we were all at the station for a uh, 9-11 ceremony. And tones dropped for a vehicle collision uh, requesting multiple units. So we get there, and this kid was having a horrible day. Uh, mental health was winning, and he decided to drive his car as fast as he could and hit it in the biggest object he could, which turned out to be a uh, big old truck. Oof. So his little car ran into this truck, killing the driver of the truck. And the uh, the kid was just laughing, hysterical. Thought it was the funniest thing. Kept asking us, did he get anyone? Did he get anyone? Oof. And right before things went left instead of right, we had to let him know that we did not care for his laugh. And uh, we made it known. So that story's in there. And that's uh, that was a run even before the run. That was all just a buildup of what happened inside of our ambulance. Before we even knew who this kid was or what we were here for, all we knew it was just a car accident. It was just all this chaos that 
played out before we even had a chance to look at this guy and see, you know, where is he bleeding from that's not supposed to be bleeding from? Yeah, the, that does make me feel better about what I said when I was in shock after I fractured my spine in a car accident because I was just obsessed with the fact that I wasn't wearing any socks. And I would not stop telling them that I wasn't wearing any socks. No matter how many times they asked me my name, my social security number and everything, I would tell them the information and be like, but I'm not wearing any socks, just so you know. <laughs> And like, oh, I'm sure the hospital going to have plenty of little slippery socks for you. You'll be okay. <laughs> the nice grippy socks that everybody talks about. Yes. <laughs> I think no that the worst car accident I ever experienced, I was not actually in the car. My friend Nate was in the car and he was joyriding. And we were like 14, maybe 15 at the time. And um, he was not wearing a seatbelt. And actually ended up flipping the SUV over and throwing himself out of the uh, SUV's windshield. And he was oh, yeah. he was beat up, and it was on a dirt road, so he was covered in road rash and everything, and it was gory. It was a pretty oh, yeah. scary and it, thing. And it stays. It stays with you. It stays with the victim. It stays with the people that saw it. Just, you know... He, because um, you can watch, you can watch like the Terrifier, or Terrifier mm -hmm. Two, or All Hallows Eve over and over and over again, and you can, you know, oh yeah, I'm big into gore, I'm, I love the splatter and everything. When you see it in real life, it's a little bit different because uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna say this: you can't smell it through the TV. You can smell it in real life. There's a specific aroma that wounds make, and yeah, you get it. Your face is right in it for you know minutes and minutes and minutes. You're gonna smell it. Yeah, um, I definitely, that's a, a lot of the reason we embalm corpses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that and zombies, you know, can't okay. have that. Can't have any zombies, that's a fair yeah. point. Uh, I know for a fact that I would not live in a zombie apocalypse. Like, I'm, I'm ready to see how the other side goes, like, alright, just someone get this over with, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. So, worst depictions of gore in media. Are we going to go with Terrifier, or is there something um, worse? As far as, like, over the top, where, yeah, that could never happen. I think Terrifier, I, I literally watched those the last two days in preparing for this podcast about gore. Because I wanted to remember. Because I watched them earlier in October and September and stuff. And, yeah, there's, like, some of the stuff in there is just like, come on. And I know a lot of people like it for that fact, that it's just over the top gore. But... Mm -hmm. I've spent too many times running with lights and sirens to have that just, oh, yeah, I can accept that Art the Clown would just rip somebody from the top of their skull down, straight down all the way to their feet with no resistance, no restraint, no big deal. Doesn't work that way, clown boy. <laughs> I, um, I think for me the, that has art the the clown in it is actually All Hallows Eve is the worst one for me because the gore yeah. is just doesn't make sense and it's not even like we're comically trying to make this gore not make sense it's just just bad let's see how much blood we can put out in the next five minutes there we go what is when it comes to gore what is one of the most inaccurate depictions of gore when somebody gets stabbed with a knife or shot with a gun 
anytime a body goes flying across the room, you know, Terminator style, where you get shot with a pistol, and next thing you know, they're flying across the kitchen and over counters. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I've had enough gunshot wounds where you know there's an entrance wound and an exit wound. The person's still alive. You're going to clog both spots. Oh, yeah. And it's not just they're flying across rooms and bars and stuff. That's so fake. Um, a lot of the stabbings are good, uh, but they stop the blood. The blood just doesn't stop. If you're if you're cut enough, you're going to keep bleeding. I mean, you're not going to bleed out unless, you know, obviously they catch, you know, a special spot. But mm -hmm. if you get cut on the arm, your arm is going to continue to bleed through the next scene of the movie. So stop drying them up. I always find that interesting in a lot of movies is somebody will get really injured in the next scene. They're just fine. They're fine. Yes. Yeah, uh, Terrifier too. They just, you know, they did that. The one scene that sticks with me in that one for gore was when the clown was using the uh, cat and nine tails made out of scalpels and just kept whipping the boy and his sister repeatedly over and over and over like that. Like, All right. And it was gore for gore. Don't get me wrong. It was gory. But then five minutes later, there's no wounds on these guys. I'm like, come on, stick with it. Do you think that the Terrifier movies and all the Hollows Eve movies and everything are very much more snuff film when it comes yes. to the way they do things? It's just hundred percent. Uh, even even the even the appearance of them, it's just like that dialed back B movie, not high def, standard def. You know, there's and I I do love the fact that Art doesn't talk. I mean, just the fact that he's a mime throughout the whole movies and throughout the whole franchise that takes on a different tone when you see him laughing but he's not laughing but you know he's just completely getting off on what he just got off on and mm -hmm. he's definitely that, uh got an ominous tone to himself yes absolutely and then you know even even uh it the new one will say from you know 2017 just the way even when pennywise is in the sewer and he's talking and laughing and talking about popcorn to Georgie, and all of a sudden he just stops, dead stops, and just stares. That switch—that's the way to do it. You don't have to go over the top with gore. You don't have to go, you know, blood splatter on everything. Just the way the characters, just the subtle things that makes a huge impact. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think for me, one of the worst depictions of gore is when somebody gets stabbed in the neck and it's just shooting everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you get the, uh, get the if artery, you catch, you catch the artery. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of arterial blood. But again, that's not just straight pouring out. That's gonna be when your heart beats. You're getting shot across the room, shot across the room, shot across the room. It's not right. just constant pouring out. Yeah, like, it's across the throat. Yeah, you're gonna pour out of that. But if you just get stabbed in the neck. Yeah, you're gonna bleed. It's gonna be in little spurts. Yeah, I think that there's some movies that get it right where it is just kind of spurt, spurt, spurt. But yes. a lot of them, it's just this constant flow of blood coming out. And I'm like, that is so yeah. unrealistic. <laughs> well, I mean, being an EMT, we had to, you know, after we did all of our in-class stuff, there's the opportunity, which was a demanded opportunity, that we go to autopsies. And to see an actual body and then have it open and then you see how much is inside like, but there's no way there's that that little amount of blood. There's not. I mean, there's a lot of blood. Don't get me wrong, but compared to what they show on TV, no, no. Yeah, um, we're we're soft and squishy on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Some so, of us are soft and squishy on the outside too, though. That's true. I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
so what would you say is some of the best depictions of gore in media? Best depictions of gore in media, and I'm not even going to say they're all horror-related. I'm going to say uh, Passion of the Christ was a fantastic description of the blood and as far as how the body reacts to it. Um, growing up, watching... Uh, you know, over the top stuff like RoboCop, where they took out RoboCop. That was obviously fake to me as a kid, but it sticks with you because, like, oh wow, they didn't pull the camera away. They actually showed it, and that was something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot, of, a lot of like military movies. They're fantastic when it comes to you know the blood and the accuracy. Like Saving Private Ryan. That was mm -hmm. a real great war movie, and, and it was fantastically in tune with how it would have been yeah i don't think i'll ever get the scene where that meat comes right off the bone ever out of my mind oh yeah well when the uh, the one that gets me is the sniper through the sniper glass oh yeah uh, another really good war film for gore is 1917 it's a world war war world war one movie and they accurately depict the corpses across the battlefield and there's a moment where one of the characters slips and his hand falls inside of an old corpse and it's yeah it is graphic i <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and that was the thing out of out of high school um i was trying for the military seven different times and failed the hearing test seven different times and got seven different free t-shirts but i always wanted to be in the military, so I've got that. You know, watching. I'm not gonna have to watch 1917 now that you talk about. It. I'm gonna have to see this one now. Excellent movie. Um, I tried to get into the military too, and then they were like, "Oh, you have a fracture in your spine. We can't take you." But no. you didn't have socks on. It wasn't your fault. Exactly. <laughs> that car accident was definitely my fault. But that's aside from the point. Yeah. 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 So, what is the worst part of being an EMT or a firefighter? Um, remembering. Remembering every single thing that you've seen. No matter how many times you try to forget it, it just doesn't go away. Uh, the PTSD is 100% real. Um, but it's weird because, like, I'll be talking about a run to somebody else in an apartment. And the way I felt and the way I saw it and the way, you know, I lived through it. They're, they're like, oh, yeah, it was nothing. And it could be something like that where it was huge to me that's going to stick with me forever. Like seeing, holding somebody's foot while the rest of their body's not connected to it. That that sticks with me. But they were like, like oh yeah, it was just another accident. I'm like, what? <laughs> so people are, and, and it'll be the same way. Some people be telling me about a heart attack that we ran. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. And they could be so caught up in it that they keep reliving this same run over and over again. And then when you've got somebody else who's on that run, it could mean nothing to them. So it's kind of weird in that sense that different things stick with different people. But as far as first responders, there's always going to be some sort of PTSD with it. Yeah. Um, my day job, I work for the Department of Transportation. And um, we've been working on stuff for EMS and and some of the photos that come in of just the cars that have been crashed and everything and we have a crash site for investigators on site and we have an old suv that's been beat up and crashed and it still has blood stains all over it oh yeah oh yeah we did we did a lot of 
Well, I mean, right where I'm at here near Toledo, Ohio, we have access to like every highway within two or three minutes of our little town in Balmy. So we get a lot of runs on the turnpike, a lot of runs on the highway, a lot of runs on the bypass highway. And yeah, you grow accustomed to uh, collecting people and parts. Yeah, Ohio has a pretty high crash rate, doesn't it? Well, yeah, we're, we're pretty awful. <laughs> pretty awful. <laughs> Bad drivers. I've I've driven through Ohio a couple of times, and I've definitely decided that I don't like driving through Ohio. It's just so flat, and there's corn everywhere. There is corn everywhere. So, uh, what is, like, the worst thing somebody could say to you as a firefighter or EMS? Hey, it's been slow lately, hasn't it? You guys haven't had a lot of runs lately. Or, hey, food's hot. Or, you hear someone say, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Any of those type of things. Things, that's you're just asking for trouble. There is a real life karma and a real life juju with the fire department and the first responders. Where if you mention that it's slow, that you're hungry, that you haven't done anything in a while, guarantee there goes the rest of your shift. You're gonna be behind the wheel. <laughs> so don't say that to people. <laughs> that sounds like pure chaos in general. I can't imagine having to be on yeah. edge the whole time. So, oh, yeah, some of the, some of the things like uh, I remember a chief who, all right, well, I'm using their bathroom. I'm like, sir, the house is on fire. He's like, well, we had to run and I'm using their bathroom. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, I mean, sometimes it just happens that way. Yeah, well, that was the thing. I think it's because he went to go sit down at the station. That's why we got that call. You know, the, the, the universe knows when you got to go. Yep, sounds about right. So, how do you use that history you have of being an EMT or a fighter fighter to write gore in your stories? Um, I like to make it where it's believable. Um, going through, you know, over a decade on rig and hands on, you know, I've held every organ from the inside of a body in my hands at one time or another, um, whether it be in a cadaver lab or be on scene in the field. You get a feel for it. You can. I mean, we don't have the pictures to describe it. We have to use our words, and we have to be able to, to let somebody know exactly what you're seeing. So, if you don't have a you know a, a nice keen sense of adjectives and adverbs, you can't just say the blood was red and wet. There was a lot of blood. Her head looked like it exploded. No, you get in and you get nasty with it. You tell them exactly what you're seeing. We don't have the TV to tell us all this stuff. So you need to describe it and describe it ways the TV can't use it. You know, it's like I said earlier, smell, put that in there. That's a huge, huge, when you're reading and you all of a sudden you can smell it. Oh, okay. I'm on it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, I definitely think that, so one of the worst things I've ever seen was having to identify the body of one of my friends after she had been shot 17 times. And uh, that is something that definitely stays with you for an eternity. And well, funny you say, well, I won't say funny, and it's not funny, but it's ironic you say that because in the novel I'm writing right now, there I did a scene where the wife had to go in and identify her husband after a gunshot wound to the face and describe that whole thing because that happened in my real life where. Well, my mother had to identify her brother after a similar situation, and 
you know, she'll still talk about it. That was 30 years ago. So it sticks with you and you're like, you know what? This has to be put in there. You can't just skip over it because if they're going to do it in the book, then you got to talk about it. No, it's just but too those real. Those situations where you have to identify, ooh, I don't wish that upon anybody, especially when we would be on scene and a family member shows up that, oh, or at, at some, in someone's house and dad's having a heart attack and mom and daughter and son are standing four feet away from him screaming in your face because you're failing. Well, you already know there's no chance. When you walked in that door, he was already long gone, but you still have to work. You still have to try. And you got the family screaming at you. That sticks with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, the hardest part for me was being the last person to see my friend. So I was the one who, not only did I identify her body, I also was the one who identified her murder, which was not oh. fun. Yeah, I, I ended up moving after that because the guy got out on bail. Ooh, yeah. No I, I was like, I'm going to move literally a few thousand miles away. Goodbye. Yeah, uh, we're going to go ahead and change the name, change the appearance. We're good. Uh, <laughs> yep, and I did exactly that. That's I, the real life stuff. Too, we can't just flip a few pages and be past it because you have to live through it. No, I had to completely restart my life all over again because of that. So I, I don't think that a lot of people appreciate, I guess is the word, how devastating these things are in real life outside of the media. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, especially you, you'll watch like action movies like The Terminator and stuff and they off 100 people in the background. You got 100 people that are about to be identified by family, and you got 100 people that are going to have to do a funeral for, and it's like, that's where my mind goes when I see these things now, because of the department, I'm like, I know it's not just what's right in front of me, I know there's going to be backlash coming from the family, coming from uh, the news team that's always seems to be on the scene when you're doing something on the street, so you always have to keep your kind of head on a swivel, and you can't just watch what's right in front of you, and even though that's where you want it to be looking at yeah so a lot of uh, a lot of people a lot of media misses out on that you know that the rest of that involvement that goes on yeah there's a lot that goes on after somebody dies like even if they die of just old age there's still so much work to be put into it afterwards oh yeah well that's the biggest question that's the biggest thing you hear anytime that we would run to someone's house for what we call the code 18 which would be a possible dead body is the family's like i didn't know who to call and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess, you know, you call 911 and say, I have a dead body, but they're like, do we call the fire department? Do we call the coroner? Do we call the police? Do we, we didn't know what to call. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's, you know, the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, why wouldn't you just call 911? But the longer you do it, the more you hear that. Like, we, we just weren't sure who to call. Like, whoa. Yeah, I think it just, people go into shock of seeing the dead body and it's suddenly just, oh my well, God, what, what do I do? And everybody puts a sheet over them. Everybody puts a bed sheet over them. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, they get that part from the movies. So that's nice. Yeah. What's interesting is nowadays we have a lot of people who will put a sheet over them. But back in the day, people would keep the, the, like the corpse of their loved one and get last minute photos, like death photos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'll never understand that. A selfie with a selfie at a funeral. Like, uh, 
Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be that person. It, it's don't a little be, awkward. Don't be on the scene, you know. Right. It's awkward. It's it's not immoral, but ethically speaking, it's just not right. Yeah. And what are you what are you trying to get out? What are you trying to do? Right. So when others are writing gore, what is how how should they look at that? Um, I would never tell them how to do it. I just know that for myself, I like to write it realistic. I like to write not I don't. I don't want to write art the clown. <laughs> I don't want right. to write song. I don't want to write, you know, the hostile one, two, and three all over again. I want to when I when I get to the gore, it's there. Don't get me wrong. I pack it in. Um, I'm descriptive, but I'm not overkill. Where you're like, oh, okay, we get it. We're, we get it. Keep what's next? What's next? No, I won't keep somebody there. So a lot of people like to. It seems like either they're way too quick with it, and they just say, oh. Oh, you know, the body hit the floor. Where a lot of people will be like, well, the body, and then they'll go on for two pages about it. So, kind of, depending on how your tone is throughout the whole story, be careful how over the top you go, especially if it's, you know, a lot lighter than all of a sudden you just come across disgusting. Like, if that's your style and it works, good. I just, I like to be, you know, I, I, I would walk into the water before I just dive in. But, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it um so can you tell me more about your time as an emt and a firefighter fighter and what are some of the parts that are going to just stick with you forever oh yeah um actually um we had a call to the gas station that one of my stories takes place in. it's called slurpee which is just a little convenience store that's a couple minutes away from a house but we had had a 911 run there for you know, police on scene requesting EMS. So they told us a stage, which means it's going to be bad. So whatever's going on right now, there's still a threat. And it turns out that this guy was very homicide and suicidal. So he's having ideations for both. Um, stripped all of his clothes off inside of this gas station. Walked over to the coffee pot that was piping hot. Poured it over top of himself. Smashed it on the ground. Sliced his throat open unsuccessfully. Started stabbing himself in the chest with it, drinking any fluid that he could find. There was death fluid, uh, you know, oil for cars, anything he could grab. And the cops are trying to get to him, and he's just running around this gas station naked, covered in everything that was available to him. And we're just sitting outside looking at it like, as soon as you guys can get a hold of him, we can start treating him. But just to sit there and watch that still. And then finally, when he's in the back of your ambulance, and then you're like, this ambulance, we can just throw this one away, and we'll get a new one. This one's bad. <laughs> just throw it out. Yeah, uh, just crumble up, throw it away, start over. Just a new one. Just clean that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, taxpayers won't mind. They'll understand. No, they won't mind at all. Um, <laughs> so... When it comes to gore in movies and stuff like that, one of the things that I find to be kind of inaccurate or frustratingly inaccurate would be like when I was watching Talk to Me, the it, that movie just came out I think this year, and this young man who's like maybe 12 years old is trying to rip his own eyeball out and he stays awake the entire time he's like bashing his head into a wall trying to rip his eyeball out and there's at no point does he pass out yeah. it's that drives me nuts from the medical side it drives me crazy when it doesn't show your body's natural state is to out you go 
the the way your body starts handling like say for example you were stabbed in the liver okay so now your other organs are going to start going into hyper mode and they're going to start trying to overcompensate for what the liver's going on while your body's not sure what's going on but it's just that literally that's why they call it shock it's a shock to your system where it knows something's wrong but it's you know and then boom you're unconscious because your brain's like all right that's enough we got to tap out for a hot minute and you, your body will constantly be in and out of consciousness sometimes and you're not going to have a 12 year old trying to rip his eye open and bash his head and you're not going to have a guy sitting on the bathroom floor cut his leg off without passing out or his body just saying up oh, too much and then just clocking out yeah in the saw in the saw movies <laughs> speaking of on a bathroom floor uh in the saw movies a lot of them the fact that people stay awake for most of the part for the torture that they're going through to me has always just baffled me because i would probably <laughs> pass out i would pass out yeah like, like oh you got 60 seconds to remove this off your face or you'll die. I got a minute. I'll just sit here because I have no... <laughs> I, you know what? I, I give. You win. <laughs> you win. 60 seconds is not enough time. Goodbye. Yeah. I had a good yeah. run. Relax for a minute. So when it comes to specifically like gore and being a firefighter, have you ever had to deal with somebody who's had third degree burns or really severe burning burn injuries? Um, the very first autopsy I went to was from a house fire. Uh, the, the next morning we were there at eight in the morning and we opened that bag and smoke literally came out and you could smell the, the skin. And okay. as you know, we're, we're all standing around, they're like, all right, so we're gloved up and they're like, we can see what the gloving is. And I don't know if you know what that is, but look that up sometimes. So you can actually t put your hand on someone's skin and push down and it's like wiping away the skin just kind of peels right off. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the craft. I'm sure you have. I have. Um, when, Nev, when Nev Campbell's character gets all those back grafts and everything, and then the doctor's just kind of wiping it away and there are normal skins under that. Mm -hmm. Similar to that, except it's not normal skin under there. It's just more burn. Wow, that's insane. Uh, oof. <laughs> it gives me the shivers just thinking about it. So you personally, have you run into a burning building before? I have, yeah, uh, several times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, as far as the, that life, I do miss the fire. I do miss the fire aspect of grabbing the nozzle, you know, being the one kicking the door in, walking in. Oh, that, I miss that as opposed to the medical side. The medical side, you know, COVID kind of took that thrill away from me because it just seemed to be all we started doing was just transport. We're, we're playing a taxi game and, but every, every once in a while I'll be sitting outside at a fire or something here in the backyard and I hear the tones going off and all the sirens and everything going off around me. And I'm like, oh, there they go. And it always reminded me of like a bee's nest. Like as soon as the 911 call came in, you just had bees from all over trying to get back to the nest because their queens hurt. And that's how we always, and that's, that's just what it always reminded me of. As soon as that alarm went off, everyone's fighting to get out of rig. Wow. Speaking of COVID-19, the body count in New York was so bad that they had literal body, a literal body pit in ohio where you're at what was your experience like for that was it just transporting dead bodies or did you it was we didn't we didn't have to do the dead uh we it was just we didn't have the resources it would have been too much 
Um, so we, we did a lot of, there was a, uh, one of the homeless shelters downtown in Toledo had a huge outbreak of COVID. So they ended up having to quarantine the whole building and ended up taking all the residents from that homeless shelter, moving into our suburb where we live in one of the hotels. So it would just be, you're working 12 hours and you might transport eight or nine people from the hotel to the hospital and back and forth. And it was just, uh, it was too much. Um, but we were fortunate slash unfortunate enough that we didn't have to deal with the code 18. So we were just dealing with the live. That is actually definitely fortunate because I, as I said, they, they were in masses of how many people were dying. Oh yeah. Uh, so what are some parting words you'd like to give to writers or anybody in the film industry when it comes to writing horror in general? Um, do your work, do your research, talk to a, talk to a first responder, talk to a doctor, talk to a nurse, someone that's, you know, talk to ER people. They're great. Amazing. Our emergency rooms are fantastic and they are a never ending supply. Everybody knows a nurse. Everybody Everybody in their life has a nurse in their family or a nurse friend. Talk to them. They've seen it too. Hey, I'm writing this part where this kid's trying to rip his eyeball out. Tell me what would happen. And listen to them. Because they can say, no, the body's going to say that ain't happening. So they'll just say, oh, yeah, the kid started banging his head against the wall, took a spoon and removed his eye. Uh, Did he know? Yeah, I, I found it, in that scene, I found it so unbelievable. He was supposedly possessed by a ghost, and that's why he was doing it. But I still feel like the body would go into survival mode, and he'd still pass yeah. out. Yeah, I don't even know about survival. It would just be like, oh, I, I quit. I don't want to feel this anymore. <laughs> Your body just said, that's it. We're going to turn off all of our nerves and our deceptors, and we're done. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, tell us a little bit about your short story collection that's coming out. I have a short story collection coming out. <laughs> Uh, it's called Metamorphases. It is 27 different stories of mine that have been collected in different anthologies over the last three years. Four of those stories are brand new, including the one that I talked about earlier, that just so you know, I hate your laugh. Um, they're different themes and different styles of horror, and some of them aren't even horror. They're just strictly, hey, here's a story I wanted to tell you. Uh, and that's how I like to do it. Um, I can write novels, but I just have a love for the short story. I like the ADD in me saying, hey, if I can read a, if I can read a book in, in 15 pages, counts as a book because I read a story and that's why I try to make it a complete tale. It's not just, uh, here's an excerpt. No, it's uh, here's a whole story. And here, you know, here's 27 entire stories all by themselves and they're all just put into one nice book that you can hang on to and looking forward to that one coming out on 11-11, make a wish. Uh, that's going to be coming up soon actually and yes we'll look at the calendar here the actual calendar if my computer would allow me to do that fine i'll look at the calendar on my phone my computer decided that it it's only going to show me notifications oh so 11 11 yeah so this podcast is actually going to release the day before your hey. release Soon as you guys listen to this, go ahead and get on Amazon and put it in your cart. Pre-order it. <laughs> you got it. And I'm also going to do a uh, like a limited box because that seems to be the thing now. I've got 
so much swag. It is ridiculous. I'm talking buttons, pins, writing pins, decals, bookmarks, lanyards, everything. I've got everything that's going to come with this book. And I'm super excited to get it out there because this is just all me. It's just 27, all Jason Meyer. Perfect. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show and giving us your insight onto Gore's health and having having to talk about some of those things that are so horrific. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, of course, of course. Just make sure you got clean socks on next time. I promise I'll wear socks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, and um, maybe we'll have you on the show again sometime soon. Sounds good. All right. You've been listening to Cat Scratch Radio, a horror podcast with your host, Carmilla Mays, also known as Matu C. Lawrence. If you want to find me on social media, just look up MX Carmilla.